Good morning, Niels. Um, what are we here to talk to talk about today? <laughs> Good morning, uh, Bethany. Good to speak to you. We're here to talk about technology uh, to support integrated business planning, automation, augmentation, and human centricity. Uh, it's an article I wrote previously last year in uh, in Foresight uh, magazine, where I'm also on the the board of advisors. Interesting. All right. Well, can you give me a short summary? Yeah, of course. Um, look, technology has made a lot of progress uh, in the last the last couple of years in supply chain. We can we can apply that and we can uh, deploy that. And we hear a lot about autonomous planning, light touch planning, or no touch planning, um, which is fantastic and which is which is great. Uh, but in this article, I try to bring some nuances in there uh, because I don't think we should only talk about automation. And there's also uh, um, augmentation of, of a business user, a supply chain planner, and, and there's also more human-centric uh, decision-making in the supply chain. And that's, um, yeah, that's what I try to explore in this article and also make a difference between process automation and decision automation. Interesting. So why do you think the differentiation between augmentation, automation, and human centricity is so important? Well, you know, we're, I think we're to start of an, we're to start of a big change here. Um, we see all this, um, you know, new technology in the enterprise, and this will change the way of working, and this will change the future of work, and it, it's already changing the future of work. Um, operating models will have to be changed based on um, understanding what can be automated, what has to be augmented, and where the human uh, plays a central role in decision making. So supply chain leaders have to understand this to create new operating models and have, you know, understand organizational design, the processes, what type of capabilities, what type of talent uh, do they need, uh, the roles and responsibilities within those, those, those framework. If we only, only focus on automation and uh, what we can automate, uh, we miss a big piece of the puzzle. Um, so, yeah, hence, um, hence I wrote this article. Can you explain a little bit more about um, these like business planning cycles that you mentioned in your article? So what we look at here is you know common business planning cycles or core business planning cycles in the enterprise and in, in, in many CPG or food companies where I spent you know 20 plus years of, of my supply chain life. And we if we read from right to left, how we got the visioning. Um, that's where companies really decide who they want to be. Um, you know, you set your big, hairy, audacious goals uh, for uh, a faraway future, uh, but you also define, um, you know, your values and behaviors. So, um, who do you want to be as a company, uh, which is really a human-centric uh, centristic thing to do. Uh, then we can strategic planning, of course, which is off, uh, often a yearly exercise where you plan ahead for three to five years, where you make the big calls on if you want to enter a market, create a category, some, some big ticket items have to be decided there. And you got your annual plan, of course, um, where yearly uh, you decide next year your commitments, um, uh, your, 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 your projection, your sales, uh, your operations, and in the end your EBIT projection of what you, you, know, what you think you're going to make as a business, um, which is a yearly commitment. And then we got integrated business planning, which often is used in uh, in the enterprise, uh, which is an, um, a planning cycle where frequent and on a frequent basis, often monthly, um, you check uh, this year's plan and next year's plan. You integrate those plans across all the 
um, on all the functions and you check if you still meet your commitments for this year. We also peek into the uh, next year and see uh, you start shaping the plans uh, for next year, but also check if you're still aligned with your strategic commitment. And then in the more short term, we got what we call sales and operation execution, which is sort of in the next three months. And that's really short term decision making in the supply chain um, to optimize demand versus supply and, and, and customer servers. Hey, where should I produce? Where should I put my inventory? How should I react to customers' orders? Um, these type of short term questions and decisions. And of course, we have execution where really um, have we, we do the production of products uh, or in the warehouse, uh, we move stock in, in, uh, with, uh, with trucks. Um, this is really the execution of, uh, of all these plans. And ideally, and those plans are all aligned. Um, if you read from right to left, um, and those are the longer term plans, guide to shorter term plans, and then the shorter term horizon really monitors and updates and check if those those plans are still in um, in balance. Okay, Got that's that's very complete. That's super helpful. Now, before we touched on why um, human centricity, automation, and augmentation are important, but for my own edification and, and for the people watching this, could you talk a bit about the difference between automation and augmentation in this context? Um, yes, I can, and I, I really think we have to ask ourselves: you know, where should we automate? And uh, where should the human be involved in, in decision making? And if we look back in terms of automation, I, I take the car industry often as an example. Uh, they have been leaders in automation. Uh, ro robotic production has been, been around there for, for, for dozens of years, and it's, it's, uh, and it's continuing. Um, if we, we take that um, as an example, and, and the warehouse automation you've seen uh, lately with the automatic robots going around the warehouse, um, we see automatic trucks now here in Australia in, in the mining. You have uh, automated trains and automated uh, vehicles uh, transporting iron ore. Um, that automation it, is, is happening. But we also see examples of uh, where this automation actually reaches a limit. Um, and there are also in the car industry those examples. So Tesla, Elon Musk. Um, when he was first producing um, Tesla the three model, um, actually mentioned that um, you know they tried to automate too much. They had to take a step back to in, in order to be um, to be productive. And uh, you see Mercedes Benz as well putting more humans on the line versus robots because the humans had to um, reprogram the robots all the time on the production line, which actually took productivity down. So we see actually that there are limits to what you can automate and how far you can automate and where augmentation and, and human centricity has to start um, to play a role. Um, yet a final example, which is not a great one, uh, I'd like to share is um, the Boeing Max um, incident, of course, uh, where the human pilot was not allowed to interfere even mm -hmm. when the machine was taking uh, a decision and they tried to interfere. Um, they couldn't, and that led to some yeah, very tragic uh, accidents, of course. Mm -hmm. So these are examples where we see, um, okay, there's a lot of automation, but hey, there's also limits, uh, and there are circumstances in which we maybe be better not automate and give the human some more uh, responsibility.
Um, those are really great examples. So what would you say are the main differentiators that influence this choice between automation and augmentation in regards to planning? So I define six uh, different drivers which uh, differentiate augmentation, automation versus augmentation. It's data granularity. So at what level in the business planning cycle do you, do you use data? Do you need to know data? The decision frequency, so how often do you make a decision? Is that every second, every day, or once a year? Um, data generation, so how much data do you generate um, in that uh, business planning cycle um, during decision making? Uh, what's your decision impact? Um, you know, if it's, if it's, is it low or is it high? Um, is it worth one dollar, if it's worth 10 million dollar? Uh, what's the system complexity? And the system complexity is all, all, is all about what are the interconnectivities uh, um, that support your decision. Is that within a closed environment or is that in an open macroeconomic global environment, uh, which is a higher system complexity. And then we got human centricity. So what um, human centristic elements are uh, part of decision making? Huh? If we talk about ethics, for example, um, yeah, we talk about, or if we talk about values and behaviors, and uh, we talk about very, very human-centric um, elements um, in, in decision-making, and, and they start to play a bigger role in the, in the longer-term uh, horizon in, in business planning cycles. This is a really great table. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could specifically go into at least one or two of these um, and understand more about how they relate to real business processes, like perhaps IBP or ops. Yeah, thanks. Now, look, I'll do that, and I'll have another picture to sort of to back that up of what the impact is then on uh, process automation, augmentation, and and uh, and, and human centricity. But um, so, for example, data granularity. If I'm I'm producing a product, um, I need to have information on the lowest level of of, of detail, material level by by machine or work center, uh, while when I'm uh, in an IBP integrated business planning cycle, I'm, I talk about categories, how is the category going? And if, or if I talk about strategy, I'm talking even about countries or, or, or macroeconomics. And so the data granularity gro grows there, uh, which is an impact on, uh, on your augmentation and automation. Um, another one is, for example, um, decision frequency and execution. I make like, um, uh, uh, second uh, decision every second or uh, minutes, but uh, even uh, within the seconds, decisions need to be made to to produce a product. And if I go to the sales and operation execution horizon, uh, that's maybe more days. Okay, where do I have to move my inventory, or um, uh, what level should my inventory be, etc. Et uh, once I go to IBP or strategy. Um, business planning cycle, you talk about months or even years in, in terms of the frequency I make decisions. So these are really, um, yeah, some examples on how these six elements uh, are different across those uh, business planning cycles. So if we apply those six, so these six elements on the business planning cycles and we look at where we can automate processes, automate decisions and where we can augment decisions, we see in the execution horizon, um, there's a very high opportunity for uh, process and decision automation. Um, like products that are produced, it's all that can be all automated. The example I gave from the, uh, uh, from the car industry, uh, processes and decisions are highly automated. This, 
tiny level maybe, a small level of decision augmentation, but that's really highly automated. If we go further into the, uh, into the horizon, the uh, sales and operation execution horizon, uh, decisions are being made maybe hourly or daily, or um, so there is some time um, to, for the business user to be actually augmented and get help from the machine to make better decisions. Um, however, uh, processes on where I should produce, how much I should produce, where I should put my stock, which order I should fulfill, and those decisions, um, they're quite, you know, still reasonably low value um, and, and high frequency. Um, they, can be, uh, they can be still uh, be highly automated. And once I go into the IBP and beyond uh, business planning horizon, um, really the, um, the decision impact uh, becomes really high. Um, and, and, and usually when the, the, when the cost increase, of course, human intervention increases as well. And uh, we need to have some sign off, we need to have some debate, we need to have some collaboration. Uh, so the decision automation goes down there. Um, however, we can still automate some of the processes uh, before we make a decision. And decision augmentation goes up. Um, and we want to have advice on the decisions we're taking. However, uh, we don't want to automate them because, um, yeah, they might be too high, too high value, or even uh, really uh, too complex to 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 automate. Once you go to strategy and visioning, um, yeah, it's very human centric. I don't think there's any process automation decision automation possible in strategic and visioning choices, and even decision augmentation is rather low. Uh, we can get some help, of course, from, from predictions and, and long-term trends and, and what have you, and game, gaming, um, um, uh, uh, war gaming, for example. Uh, however, that augmentation stays, um, stays rather low. So, conclusion of this is uh, we see increased human centricity at the longer the planning horizon, and we see more opportunity for process and decision automation um, in the shorter-term horizon. Super interesting. Now, let's keep going on that theme of human centricity. Let's talk more about where humans are in this. Like, what is their role in this future, considering how much automation is coming into play? Yeah, look, so there's absolutely no doubt that it has a big impact, uh, automation, and it already has. And what we just discussed, automation in, in the production, uh, in warehousing, and we, we see it happening. Uh, around the world and in, in transport, it, it, it is, it, it's no stopping to it and it will have an impact on, 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 the, on the workforce there. Um, however, if you look at an, an automation leader like Amazon, um, and they, they committed $700 million to, to retrain um, their, their employees uh, or a big part of them. Uh, uh, up to 2025, they committed $700 million to retrain them. So they take them out of that uh, manual labor force and uh, uh, teach them or educate them on, 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 on data or IT architecture or other, um, um, so may I say, more value-added um, elements in the, in the, in the um, in Amazon enterprise. So uh, there is opportunity there as well for, uh, for people that work more in the executional environment. Now, if we go beyond the execution environment uh, and sales and operation execution um, and IBP, um, I think supply chain uh, planners and, and, and the managers um, have actually a great opportunity to 
um, um, do better work and do more work and more interesting work. I mean, the average supply chain planner actually spends 50% of their time on gathering data, tinkering with it, um, even before the analysis starts and before they can extract some value out of it. That can all be automated for them. Right? And a lot of the short-term decisions where they are that firefighting they're doing now, that can all be augmented for them. They, they can actually right, can get advice right, from a platform, from a system on what they should do. Um, so that means they have more time for more strategizing, for collaborating on the right stuff right, with their colleagues or with their customers or with their suppliers. Um, and they can, they can, and actually those capabilities will be more required in the future, I think. So uh, what we see is that, yes, if you're in execution, um, you will get hit and you are already hit, uh, but we see the leaders are, 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 are investing to improve that. And I think if you're in supply chain, if you're in, the, in a bit longer term horizons, um, there's actually an interesting change for you. Um, and yeah, you will work with new capability and it will be augmented by the machine. You have to collaborate with the machine, with the machine, which, yeah, it's going to be a whole, whole new era, which I believe is, is, is interesting for the supply chain uh, professional. Um, very interesting. And I agree. Um, so how would you summarize all of this, perhaps, if you can, into just a couple key takeaways? <clears throat> Well, I think leaders, supply chain leaders really have to start thinking about this. Um, okay, where does automation lead me? Um, what's the human role? Uh, how does the human, how should the human collaborate with the machine? Um, uh, where should the human be augmented? Um, and um, how does it impact my, my, my talent, my need for talent? How does it impact my operating model? Um, they have to start thinking about that now. Um, there's no coming, going back from automation. There's no going back from um, the technology advancements we have seen over the years. They will only grow further. So supply chain leaders have to be ready for that. Understand um, the differentiation between automation, augmentation, and human centricity. The handovers, uh, the collaboration between human and machine. And again, there will be bumps on the road, and this is not um, maybe straightforward uh, um, in, in the first go. Uh, but uh, supply chain leaders have to start uh, start working on um, um, the, uh, yeah human working with the machine um, yeah in the in the in the future of work. Um, awesome. Those are all our questions for today. Thank you so much for taking the time, and um, until next time. Thanks for having me, Bethany. <laughs>